What up? Welcome to episode one of the Celtics Pod, part of SB Nation's Celtics Blood. I'm your host, Adam Taylor, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brendan Nunes. What is one? going on, Adam? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. First episode. I'm happy to be here. How are you doing, Brendan? So am I, man. I'm looking forward to doing this and starting this pod for Celtics blog. Um, I think the very beginning of this, uh, this first episode is going to be a little bit of an introduction to ourselves, obviously. Um, we will be doing a little bit of deeper dives sometimes, but we'll touch on the West Coast road trip a little bit, the Kemba injury, and what it looks like moving forward without him for a little while. Um, but let's start with introducing ourselves, man. You want to say your name a little bit slower so people can hear you through your accent? Had to go with the accent straight off the bat, right? I mean, come on. We all hear it. <laughs> yeah, okay. So my name's Adam Taylor. I'm part of the staff writers on Celtics Blog. You've seen me around on there from time to time. Uh, obviously, I'm not American. Brendan will point that out to you every opportunity he gets. Oh, yeah. The Brit. Where I'm not British, I'm English. Uh, <laughs> every time, Brendan, man. Dude, I don't know the difference. I mean, there's not much of a difference. It's preference, right? Is it? Do you get a pick? I mean, yeah, dude. Interesting. Okay. I'm English. So, so I know this story kind of, but how all the way across the pond did you become a Celtics fan? So back when I was younger, there was only three teams that were really televised out here. And that was the Lakers, the Bulls, and the Celtics. A lot of people gravitated towards the Bulls because of Michael Jordan. The Lakers was always, obviously, everywhere you go there, one of the bigger name teams. I like to be a little bit different. So, And also, out here in England with soccer fans, everybody says you support the team that's closest to you. Geographically, Boston is the closest point to where I am. So it all kind of amalgamated. And I've been a Celtics fan since about 1995. There you go. So when you was born, right? Uh, a little bit before actually yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so i am from the bay area in california uh Ooh. i didn't say my name i am brendan nunes um i'm from the bay area in california and my dad was always a warrior fan and i remember him screaming at the tv when they sucked uh booty uh for a while with monte ellis being the main guy there and all that and uh, my mom was dating a Lakers fan for a while. My parents are split, and I did not want to pick between the two. And I remember watching the draft in 2008. I was only about nine years old, uh, 10 years old, and I just jumped on the bandwagon and stuck with it. I jumped on the bandwagon when I saw they traded for Pearson Garnett, and I have stuck with it, though. Um, I say that like there were a lot of bad years or something. There were only like three bad years. And even then the Celtics are always entertaining and play hard. Um, but yeah, that's how it started for me and have stuck with it now. I don't currently write for the Celtics. I'm in the Sacramento area now. So I cover the Kings as well. Um, I write for a Royal pain, the fan site, Kings cover and do a Kings podcast as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much everything about the both of us. Right, man. I feel like when you said you were from the Bay Area, everybody that's going to be listening to this just instantly flips you to bird, dude. Why? What's wrong with the Bay, man? I mean, we're all going to be cold, right? You're nice and warm. But no, that's pretty much it. And uh, 
so yeah, I mean, me and Brendan have been working, Brendan and I, sorry, proper grammar, have been working together for about two years. We've done podcasts on the Celtics on multiple platforms. We're really happy to be able to start doing this show instead now and be bringing you, we're going to be bringing you episodes Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays all year round, pre-season, during the summer, everything. We're, going to, uh, we're used to this. We've done it for two years now. So we're, we, we've got our schedule and hopefully you guys enjoy what we do. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, we've had a bunch of different Celtics shows and developments. You had a, we had a site that we had uh, writing on for a while and things like that, but excited that it's come to this point. And uh, do we want to just kind of hop in and talk about this, this West Coast road trip a little bit, man? Yeah, man. So this road trip was, uh, it was entertaining to say the least. There was some good points, some low points. That gut-wrenching miss by Marcus Smart. Oof, oof. Yeah, so the Celtics came in 9-1, and one, right? Having won their last nine games after losing the opener in Philadelphia. Um, the Golden State game was pretty sloppy, and so was the Sacramento game. Um, I think that the Celtics just didn't, didn't play sharp. They almost looked like they walked into those games kind of expecting some wins. Um, didn't play exactly how you would hope, but we're able to sneak away with one in Golden State thanks to some big Tatum shots down the stretch. And Buddy Heald went beast mode in Sacramento. Dude, I remember texting you and just saying that everything that leaving Buddy's hand was gold. It was frustrating, but it was also awesome to watch. Uh, he's really improved. Obviously, he's always been a good three-point shooter. And then me and you had discussions through the summer on what we need, what you wanted to see from him coming into the season. He feels like he has taken that jump. It was just unfortunate that his first, well, was it his second decent game of the year? Because he struggled to start. Happened to be against us. Yeah, he's been really rough, uh, actually. Um, that was what really felt like his breakout game against a quality team and a defensive player of the year candidate in Marcus Smart. Some people will say he's the leader right now, which... Uh, he definitely has an argument for, but yeah, Buddy just showed that he can he can really take off and hit anything. When he heats up, there's there's no really stopping him. Marcus, that shot really should have gone in. Oh my god, it rolled on the rim forever. Um, and usually, like I said, we'll kind of dive into these games a little bit more. But since this is the first episode, we kind of just want to uh, look at the road trip as a whole and talk about some of the trends from that. Usually we'll have like a, a recap of the most recent game and maybe a preview of the next. But um, after those first two, they went to Phoenix and smacked around old friend Aaron Baines. Uh, no Ricky Rubio. Phoenix looked really rough in that game after having a nice start. And then we got to the two really tough opponents where the, King, the Celtics had a nice challenge in front of them. And that Clippers game is already getting called the early game of the year, at least from the, the games that have been played so far. What do you think of that Clippers game, man? Yo, it was, um, it was scrappy. The intensity was there. Definitely, definitely had a playoff feel to it. Part of it was a tough watch, though. It was hard to, to really get into it due to how much the, the game broke down and plays were kind of just falling apart on both sides as well. It wasn't just the Celtics. Yeah, there was good defense the entire game, and I think that kind of led to it. But the first half was, like you said, a rough watch. Celtics started 0 of 16 from 3. Um, it was the first game of Kawhi and PG, so of course their defense is going to get a bunch of credit for that. But the Celtics just aren't going to miss 16 threes in a row um, very often. They're not going to pull a Houston like that. 
Well, um, during the um, during the road trip, they've been starting slow pretty much every game. So by by the time that game came around, it was no surprise that they'd started slow. It was just fortunate that the Clippers started slow as well. They were cancelling each other out. Right. Yeah, the Clippers had 13 turnovers in the first half, which is just insane. And, you know, credit to the Celtics defense, but at the same time, Clippers were just making stupid mistakes. Clippers were also 4-15 from three. Um, in that first half, Jalen, Jason, and Kemba were a combined 5-23 of 23 from the field, 0-10 of 10 from three. And the Celtics found themselves leading at halftime, actually, by two points. That's the basketball gods at work, dude. Um, Pretty much. And then that's, mean, that second half, man, I have been a little more critical of Tatum than some others this year. I thought his decision-making looked better at times. He's been getting downhill more, um, but he's sort of reverted a little bit, um, I felt like, recently. But this third quarter from Tatum was, was great. 14 points, four or five from three. I thought he really started to take over in that second half. Sorry, I was picking up my notepad because I had something on this. Yeah, so he, like you say, he did blow up in the third quarter. The one thing that got me was he had been shooting quite rough from the free during the West Coast road trip anyway. I mean, if we look there, he was shooting 40% before the road trip started. Then he was only hitting 31% during the road trip. So for him to come out and put up those sort of numbers when the game was really intensifying and we needed a go-to scorer, it shows that kind of next step that we're hoping he can take and do that more, what's the word I'm looking for, Brendan, more regularly, be more efficient. Uh, right. It was a great quarter. I mean, I've been quite high on Tatum to start this year. I've always been a big fan. He has shown improvements in some places. The finishing around the rim, I don't think that needs to be worried about too much. It is a problem, but it's just one of those things that he's, got to learn how to control his drives, the speed that he's attacking the basket at. And then once he can manage his speed better, then he's going to be able to kind of kiss it off the glass a lot more regularly than what he is at the moment. Yeah, I think him showing off a nice change of speed, um, I think he does it at times for sure, but utilizing that a bit more, um, I do think it's still making quick decisions instead of, you know, at, at one point I saw people on Twitter kind of joking that pump fake Tatum was back a little bit and, uh, that definitely happened a bit, but the finishing around the rim, I, you know, I'm not terribly worried about it or anything, but I do think that's an area where he'll be able to take a jump in his game. Um, and yeah, he finished that night in, in Los Angeles with 30 points, six rebounds, three assists, four, uh, four points short of his career high, actually, of 34. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, that road trip, he did struggle from deep, uh, 40% before in the first 10 games of the year. And the five games of the West Coast road trip, he shot 31%. Um, he faced some decent defenders. But, you know, what do you think about Tatum being the guy down the stretch instead of Kemba? I mean, at the moment, obviously Kemba's out. But when Kemba's back, the fourth quarter has been the only time that we've really seen Kemba resemble the Kemba that's come over from Charlotte, right? He's... um. Struggling to get into the games. I don't know if that's because he's not used to playing off ball as much as what he is or whatever it may be. There's times in the game where Kemba looks like he could actually do with being fed the ball a bit more just to build his confidence earlier in the game. But at the moment, the fourth quarter is where we're really getting production out of Kemba. So I wouldn't mind playing like a one-two punch, maybe start off 
with Tatum to begin the fourth. And then as we start getting down to the last four or five minutes, then we revert back to having Kemba as the number one. Right. Uh, if there's like, yeah, I mean, Tatum showed that he deserves it. He's shown it before, but in that Golden State game, he hit two really big shots um, that he pretty much created on his own to uh, one of them actually was an out of bounds play. That was a nice drop from Brad. Um, but he's shown the ability to hit the shots. You know, there was that that big shot against the Clippers, too, uh, where George fell because he stepped on Tatum's foot, I believe. Um, it's a little bit of off-arm from Tatum, too, but I don't think that's anything that gets called. And, by the way, I'm not one to blame the game on calls because the Celtics really did blow a lead down the end there. But there were some very frustrating calls in that Clipper game. <laughs> I tend not to jump on the bandwagon with the with the ref calls simply because I don't want to sound like everybody else, but god damn. Yeah, I mean, okay, so the big one to me was the the coach's challenge, right? Um PG pushed off a tice and I when when Brad challenged it, I was like, okay, that was a great challenge. You know, you turn around two points into an offensive foul. Um Celtics hit the ball, George gets a foul on his, uh, a foul towards getting closer to six. And I can't believe that wasn't overturned. The Kemble one uh, where he drew a charge, you know, I guess you could make an argument that he was still somewhat moving. Uh, I don't agree with it, but I guess you could make that argument. So it was a little rough, but either way, the Clippers, the Celtics did kind of blow that late game lead that they had against the Clippers. I believe they were still up seven points with two minutes left. Um, Maybe a bit more than that. Beverly hit some big shots towards the end there. Um, And then getting into the Denver game a bit as well. Celtics had a crazy slow start even before Walker had gone down and we'll get into him a little bit here, but you know, this is the final game of West coast road trip. They're playing in altitude um, and the Celtics have just kind of had these slow starts, like you said. Yeah, the thing is as well, like, the Nuggets are a fast team. Well, they're actually the slowest team in the league right now, but they've got the ability to push the pace. Uh, obviously, when you've got Jokic on the floor, you're going to want to wait for him to get up the court because he's so integral to everything they're trying to do on the offensive end. But they just they just ran us ragged, dude. I mean, there was no answer for them at the beginning. Murray was playing hot. Our defensive rotations weren't quick enough. It was, it was a hard again. It was a hard watch, man. Um, credit to them for everything that happened with Kemba. I'm glad he's okay. Uh, but credit to them for managing to get back into the game and bring it so close to the end. Uh, Jokic is a force. It was interesting as well to see how we dealt with. Uh, I said this to you right uh, off air over the phone just after the game. It well the next day actually. It was interesting to see how we dealt with a big like that, like a big man that can pass, that can rebound, that can stretch the floor. Jokic can pretty much do everything and well. So watching how we kind of schemed for him with with the bigs rotation. And to me, Cantor done really well in that game. Cantor was definitely one of the positives. Um, I am glad that Brad's not just throwing him out there and giving him a stupid amount of minutes, but Cantor did a very good job uh, rebounding in that game, and I thought he supplied some nice offense. I think that um, one of the big takeaways for me in regards to Jokic was that he was a 
really good defender in this game as well. Um, so that was that was going for them as well. But yeah, Cantor had a nice few rebounds in about 14 minutes of play. I think it was um, a somewhat positive impact there. And I think uh, looking at the road trip as a whole, I think we have some of the numbers here um, that we kind of wanted to look at. And the first one that stuck out to me, um, obviously Marcus started off the season super hot from three. And people were hoping this was kind of what Marcus would look like. He's done this to Celtics fans at times. Um, the shot does look better, by the way. I feel like there's more arc on it. Do you see that? Yeah, I feel like there's way more arc on the shot. He's, um, he's shooting with more confidence as well. I actually wrote an article just about this, uh, talking about the, the way his shot's improved. Yeah, it, it's, it's been it's, nice. But, okay, so the first 10 games, right, 38% from three. It was like, damn, if Marcus is keeping this up, I don't know, man. Um, and over the trip, 27% from three. Um, <laughs> he had some really rough showings. Um, and if you take away the Golden State game, where he was five of nine from three, he went six for 31 in the most recent four games, 19%. Do you worry? It's a small sample size. It's a West Coast road trip. People get tired. Um, he had a little bit of a bigger role with no Gordon Hayward. Do you worry that maybe his shot isn't this, you know, above? I mean, you would think that it's going to be similar to last year, but does this sort of make you a little bit skeptic that there's been another jump since then? Because, you know, even last year, he was a 36% three-point shooter. Do you think that he's maybe closer to this 38 from the first 10, or do you expect it to reach back towards that 36 area? Honestly, that's... um. It's one of these questions where at the moment it was a tough road trip out West. The time difference when you're traveling like that can affect you as well. I'd expect him to fall around the 37, maybe 38% once Hayward's back and the floor spacing's better and he's not got as much defensive interest on him. The thing is when you start hitting shots, defenders start closing out on you more. Uh, we don't know how much of that played into it. Were defenders sagging more when he was getting the ball to start the year? Are they playing him closer now? What's happening when he's curling off pick and rolls? The defender's going under to, to defend the free instead of trying to drop back and wait for the drive and kick. There's a few factors in it that can kind of play play a part. It was frustrating seeing him jack up at sight of times. It was a, a couple of his shots were ill-advised. I think he can still hit the 38% for the year if he picks and chooses when to hit that release that free. Right. So I think that's kind of the thing with him this year is that he's chucking them up. You know, like he's really taking a lot of threes. And I don't mean chucking in a bad way. You know, previously it was like, oh, damn, Marcus is taking another three. Um, and that's not really the case this year. Like, you're happy that he's taken these. He's taking seven per game this year on average after a little over four in the previous year. So I think if he can pull what Daniel Tice said he wanted to do before the year, keep the same percentage of last year, but uh, nearly double those attempts almost. Um, if Marcus can keep that 36 and a half is what he was last year, 37%, um, and have seven attempts a game, I'm pretty happy with that. And I think that'd probably be my expectation. Um, that 36% and six and a half attempts a game, somewhere around there. Yeah, I'm down with that. I mean, I feel like 37%, 37.5 is more than achievable for him. Again, yeah. it depends, it depends on when he's releasing. I mean, we're arguing over a percent. 
So, right. Um, and it's, not- it's very early in the year. You know, we always got to put that asterisk on it until maybe you're 20 games in, something like that. Like this is a, it's a notable sample size, but people can be hot for this stretch of games and then cool off a little bit. Um, another question I have is Jalen Brown. So we have raved about his finishing uh, to come coming into this year, right? Like using the left hand, even when he doesn't really need to, almost just showing it off a little bit. The first seven games, uh, he missed three of the first 10 because of his sickness for a little while there. 52% from the field. And that's on 27% from three. So a lot of it was his finishing. Um, the most recent five games, 39, practically 40% from the field and 46% from three. His three-point shot has been beautiful during this road trip. Uh, He hit some really big ones in Denver. Uh, One, he wasn't even straight up. Like, he was fading a direction from the baseline, um, from the corner, excuse me. But what what have you thought about Jalen's finishing almost regressing a little bit again? Yeah, I mean, coming into the year, dude, um, if anybody here ever listened to me on any previous podcast, I was on his case about finishing with his left hand. Just because by not being able to do it, you're going to get hedged right. And then, I mean, I've put the synergy stats out multiple times. Whenever he was hedged right, he'd most likely either leak out or dead force a turnover. To start the year, he's played well. Like you say, he's finishing left-handed now just to kind of say, look, I can finish left-handed. His his jump shot looks good too. I do feel like um, we want to find a balance between his three point percentage and his field goal percentage a bit more. I'm I'd rather him be shooting forty to forty five from the field if we're going to get that forty to forty five from three as well, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and I wonder how much that has to do. I'll have to look into this a little bit more with him running the second unit at times. I think that started a little bit during this road trip, especially with no Hayward for a little while. They were having Tatum run the second unit. They had tried Jalen doing it a bit, but um, yeah. So I think that's, that's interesting. something to keep an eye on a little bit. What See, go have ahead. you got attempts difference? Say it again. Have you got his difference in attempts? I do not have that in front of me right now. I'm going to pull that up because it's all well and good saying that his field goal percentage dropped, but if his attempts went up, Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm kind of curious about that. Also, his free throw shooting has still needed some improvement. That was something that we were really hoping would come around a little bit because he is so great at getting to the line. Um, If he's not able to hit those free throws at a good rate, that I think that those um, that will discourage him a little bit from getting to the line. He's improved. Uh, somewhat this year, seven seventy-two percent compared to sixty-five last year. So I'll take any improvement. Um, it's it's a somewhat little jump, but during the road trip, he was only fifty-six percent from the line compared to eighty in those first seven. So again, we're not working with a crazy sample of games here, but we're gonna have to see uh, what it sort of evens out to as we progress. Okay, so his shots before the West Ro- Western West Coast road trip were 14.6 attempts a game. During the, ro- the road trip, it went up by a shot a game, so it wasn't a big enough increase to justify the slide. Right, yeah, and losing 12% is a, uh, is a pretty big deal, but people can have rough games, you know. He was playing some, some quality defenders during those games too. 
Oh, for sure, dude. He was playing some elite level defenders. The the good thing was that he was still finding ways to score. And again, against was it against the Nuggets where he was just he he realized he wasn't finishing around the rim, so he just started to draw fouls. Yeah, uh, and that's what you want to see, right? I mean, that's an evolution for him in itself. A few years ago, he'd just drive. He would kind of try and avoid contact, especially after he had that. Do you remember when he had that dunk and he slipped and landed on his back and hurt his back? Oh, yeah, that was, that was a scary one. Yeah, and since then, he kind of tried to avoid contact when going up for a little while. So it's good to see that he's recognizing now, right? I, it's not there for me today. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to draw contact and get to the line. Which is yeah. great, um, especially when you're hitting free throws. Uh, right. But he wasn't really hitting free throws on this West Coast trip, which is a problem. Yeah. In that Denver game, though, you kind of touched on it. I saw people praising him for it. And I thought that first half, he was pretty rough. Um, I, I thought that he was making some poor decisions and forcing it a bit at times. But in that second half, when he was driving in, I thought that he started moving the ball better, um, passing out of those drives and the kicks have been a little bit more effective from him this year and on point with the passes. Um, and yeah, ending the game with 22 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. You know, Jalen has six games this year of over 20. Six out of the out of the 12 that he's played in. So 50% of games he's hit over 20. Yeah, and he had a game with 30 against San Antonio. Like, Jalen has... He's been impressive this year, but there's also been... Um, a few games, games where he yeah. hasn't broke 10. I want to see him improve his free throw shooting. That's a definite. For sure. It'll come I mean, that was, a, that was a big slide. He slid from 80% before the road trip all the way down to like 56.3% during the road trip. Yeah. Which is tough because when you're capable of, like he showed against Denver, of getting to the line, if it's not falling when you're on your drives, you want to be able to hit, you know, 80, 90%. Agreed. Um, yeah, ninety percent is a little optimistic, but I would love it. Um, I mean, I said want to, right? Right, right. Um, but yeah, do you want to you want to take a quick break here before we get into Kemba and uh, potential Wanamaker replacement? How they did on the trip? Yeah, man, I'll get some water. I'm done. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be back shortly, and then we'll break down. And uh, we'll give you an update on Kemba. I'm sure you've already seen it, but we'll cover that. Then we'll look at possible rotation changes while Kemba's out we'll finish off by previewing the sack game we're quite lucky Brendan as Brendan mentioned Sacramento based so he gets a lot of information around that team so we'll see what Brendan's got for us there and we're back got ourselves a glass of water got back comfortable we're ready to go again so everybody knows by now Kemba suffered what at the time looked like a really, really dangerous injury. It's too often Boston Celtics fans are having to say this about their players at the moment. At points like this, it becomes bigger than basketball. You start worrying about a person's health. You want to make sure they're okay, regardless of what the outcome is for the team. Luckily, from all reports that have been coming out at the moment, it does seem to just be a neck strain with um, concussion protocol put into place. It's great news, it, not only as a fan, but just as a human being, knowing that he's going to be okay. Injuries like that can end careers. They can cause serious spinal damage. So, Brendan, did you see that injury? Did you watch it? 
course. Uh, it was it was definitely scary to see. Obviously, um, made me very uncomfortable, and just to see him get completely wrapped up, um, tied down, and uh, then carried off in the stretcher was a very uncomfortable feeling. Like you said, it's bigger than basketball. You just hope the best for Kemba. I mean, the know- crazy part was, like, me and myself and you were messaging during the game. It was, like, what, 2.30 a.m., maybe a bit later For, than that. for you, yeah. Uh, we were messaging up until, like, three minutes before that injury happened where I just passed out. That was me done for the night, too late, hadn't slept. Uh, I wake up, and Brendan and myself were in a group chat. I'm sure everybody has group chats going on. And all I can see is Kemba injury, Kemba injury. I'd paused the game knowing I was going to fall asleep. So I pressed play. Two minutes later, that happened. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, dude. I mean, it's, it's, I'm just happy that he's okay. Yeah, so am I. And, and you know, the news seems crazy positive considering uh, what it could have been coming out of it. You know, like, there's a chance with those sorts of hits that he could have gotten, like, paralyzed in a way, you know? And it's just it, it was terrifying but it seems to be fine um the initial report that came out not too long after was that uh from the Celtics is that Kemba Walker's been diagnosed with concussion like symptoms um he then returned to the team uh from the hospital that he was taken to in Denver which was a good sign Woj tweeted that uh early indications are that Kemba did not su- suffer a significant injury again concussion like symptoms and now he, uh, the injury report for the game against Sacramento is a sprained neck, and he's not even ruled out. He's doubtful. Uh, he's not going to play. Uh, would be my my educated guess here. But they didn't even say out. They said doubtful. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's great news uh, as a Celtics fan. It's shocking that he's come away with it to the point where he's not even out. Uh. I feel like he might be in the arena for the game, but I do not expect him to see. I do not expect to see him in a uniform at all. Right, he should get a nice little ovation, and uh, yeah. So and it was such a freak accident. It was. It was. It was scary to see. I was very uncomfortable, um, but yeah, glad that things seem to be okay. But on to the basketball side of it, um, Kemba was kind of rough. During that road trip, the four games, not counting the Denver one, 22% from three, 35% from the field. Um, Like you mentioned, he's had difficult first half of games and then come on in the second half um, and especially down the stretch. But that wasn't happening too much Uh, recently. I thought that they could have used him a little differently. I think that uh, we had talked to Max Carlin about this from Celtics blog as well, and he had uh, mentioned that you know you should kind of use him in a way that Charlotte was, where put all your mediocre mediocre might not be the right word, but all the role players that aren't going to be doing creating and getting their own shot on offense, put those guys around Kemba for a stretch of times when you need to be staggering, especially with no Gordon, and let Kemba do what he did in Charlotte, just run a high pick and roll with say Ennis Cantor, something like that, with Ojale Grant Williams on the wing, and uh, let him go to work. I thought that they could have let him do that a little bit more, but he had been struggling a little bit and Wanamaker had taken a big step up in his place, man. Oh dude. Wanamaker has been on a tear during this road trip. I mean, look man, before the road trip, he's averaging 5.2 points. 
He's shooting well. He's shooting at 54.5%, but he's not getting it done from deep. Fast forward to the road trip and everything changes. He's more than, yeah, he's more than doubled his points per game output. Got that up to a smooth 11 points per game. Literally doubled his assist output. Kept his free throws around the same. His shooting didn't really slide much. It went from 54.5 to 51.5. But his three-point shooting took a huge jump. Up yeah, to, it did. Yeah, dude. What was that like? Up to, up 40%. to 40% from 28. And you kind of glossed over that uh, free throw number not really changing. It's not changing, but it's at like 93, 94%. And he is yeah. getting to the line. Like he is no joke of a shooter. And his defense... That guy's that guy's a fire hydrant out there. Like he's a strong guy, and Brad's I mean, I been praising this, him. I said this to you on a on a message about a week ago, where he's playing himself into a bigger contract offer if the Celtics don't extend the qualifying offer. He is. And he almost then, didn't even like, return. I mean, that's the crazy part, return. right? And then when he did, he didn't know what to, what type of minutes he was going to be getting. He banked on himself, and he's coming good now. I feel like. I'm very, very confident when Wanamaker's in the game. I feel like he can run the floor. He makes the right play probably, what, 97% of the time. Uh, He's a smart player, for sure. Very experienced that in the EuroLeague. Very, very, very composed on the ball. His defense has been quite good as well, to be fair. He hasn't really been getting lost on rotations. He's been, he's not the fastest of guys, but he's a strong dude, you know? Definitely. I wouldn't be scared to see him step into the starting unit. I wouldn't either. Um, and I think that this is this is kind of interesting, and hopefully we're not talking about it for too long because Kemba will be back and Gordon eventually when we get closer to, to Christmas here in about a month's time. Um, well, Gordon's shooting again now, so that's a that's Right, a big, that's nice to see point. at least. But, yeah, I don't hate the idea of Wanamaker going to the starting lineup. Um, I also think that you already have a point guard in your starting lineup that has, that is just so versatile. He's been playing the two um, in Marcus Smart. So I think that you could get away with someone like Grant Williams in the starting lineup, or I'm a lot lower on this, but like a Shemi Ojale who's just going to be out there just to play a small role among the other uh, playmakers, mainly that that big three, or I guess now it's just mainly the two of Tatum and Brown. Um, but yeah, I, I I could get behind Wanamaker going into that starting lineup, and that would mean that Tremont Waters, who was brought back to the Boston team from the five and O main Red Claws, would get a little bit of run. Yeah, he's been having a tear down in Maine, dude. Uh, him and Taco Falls, to be fair. I was quite critical of Taco throughout his um, preseason and summer league with us. I do, I'm still not convinced he's the answer. I know that's a polarizing opinion and a lot of people aren't going to agree with me, and that's fine. However, Treyman's been getting it done, dude. He's averaging 20 points, 7.8 rebounds, and 3.4 assists. His splits, bro. Have you seen the splits? Dude, 40% from three on nine attempts. 44% and you know a steal and a half a game like we know this guy's a pesk on defense he's um I'm actually really excited to see him get some NBA minutes I'm assuming they'll be limited to begin with anyway but right but these next two games this this short little two game home stretch 
there's no De'Aaron Fox against no Sacramento, Kyrie. and there's no Kyrie against Brooklyn. Um, so the backup point guard for Sacramento is Yogi Ferrell. Tremont Waters can take Yogi Ferrell, and Brooklyn doesn't even have a backup point guard. Um, so they're an interesting situation as well. But these are teams that are really struggling in their point guard depth. Like this is a good time for to use up some of these Tremont Water games that you have with him on his two way. No doubt, no doubt, and he's earned this, dude. I mean, his. You go down to the G League, especially on a two-way contract to impress, you've got a ball out. And that's part of the problem when you watch G League basketball is it's hero ball for like 80% of the time. Right, guys um, that are trying to prove themselves. Exactly. You're on a two-way contract. You want to make it to the league. Worst case, you're not even on that two-way. You're just in the G League trying to get called up on a, on a flyer right. or a 10-day. Um, of course, the thing with Waters is obviously that he's 5'10", 175. You know, he's just a short guy. And I think that John Corrales had said this, and I definitely agree. If if Tremont Waters was, you know, 6'3", he would have been a lottery talent. Like, he is a damn good basketball player all around. He's he, He's got a great change of speed. Uh, he shoots the ball well. His playmaking is great. He's a pesk on defense. He's smart on that end. He's aggressive there. Um, so he has the capabilities. It's someone I'm really interested to see how that can translate. It's going to be interesting. There was, um, there's going to be a point in time where he's running with a few of the starters as well. And I want to see what sort of touches he gets at that point. To me, that's going to be one of the most telling signs on what sort of a level of trust Brad's got for him as well. He's yeah. going to have, cause it's all one and good getting touches when you're in with the full second unit. But once the rotations start happening and, a guy like Jalen or Jason gets on the court. Obviously, they're your number one option. You'll have Grant Williams getting on the floor. How many touches is he actually going to get? How much off-ball is are they going to expect him to play? Are they going to just post him out into the corner, kind of like what they did with Terry last year? Or are they going to let him kind of initiate the offense and find an open man, which is what I hope they give him the opportunity to do because that's what he's been doing successfully down in Maine. Yeah. I don't know what you what your takes are on that. Actually, do you expect him to get a lot of touches? Uh, when does a obviously a first or second option on the floor with him? Hmm. Um, well, I do think that obviously they're gonna be trying to keep one of Brown or Tatum on the floor at all times when when Kemba's out for however long it may be. Um, so either way, I don't quite see the offense getting him getting full offensive responsibilities, but he's still going to be the guy bringing the ball up the floor. And I think initiating everything. Um, yeah. And that's what we want to see, right? I don't expect him to be the option to, to finish the play, but initiating plays and probing the D to see how they react because of his speed as well. They're sort of the interesting little key points for me to see how much he's trusted with the ball in his hands to begin with. Uh, obviously he has to earn that trust as well. And then what happens if he's playing alongside Marcus Smart? Who's the ball handler there? Jason Tatum brings the ball up court quite regularly as well. I don't think that in Maine we're going to have seen too much of Tremont play off ball. Right. Yeah, with like Bruce Brown next to him, who exactly. actually I really like, by the way, is like this great 3 and D guy. He played uh, with the Kings in 
uh, California Classic for a little while there, and I like him there. But yeah, I, I think that Tremont's going to get a nice little opportunity here, especially if Wanamaker starts, which would probably be my guess here. Um, and one other question on the rotations for you. What do you think about Grant's uh, sort of role? Because he had that uh, DNP CD uh, in Sacramento, and then in Phoenix, he came in and changed that game. Like, very, he changed the momentum of the game. He had two great defensive uh, plays that resulted in blocks. Um, he did have, he's had some defensive lapses, but I think the good definitely outweighs the bad with him on that end. Um, yeah, what do you think about his role compared to Shemi Ojale? Well, for one, I'm not a fan of Shemi Ojale at all. Um, I'm sorry if any of you guys are. I feel like he's had his chance. He's shown no progression whatsoever. I do not expect him to be a Celtic for a long, a prolonged period of time at this point. For two, I remember that during the summer, Brad Stevens was doing a like an interview. I can't remember where I heard it. I think it was probably on one of John Corrales' podcasts. May even have been on Jay King's podcast once he moved over to The Athletic, but I doubt it because the season... Anyway, I digress. Um, Brad Stevens actually went on record saying these guys, these younger guys and the rotation pieces, they're going to have to be ready to play because there's going to be games where they get a, D- a DMP and then there's going to be games where they play 20, 30 minutes. It all depends on matchups. It depends on the health of the other players. And I feel like he was being honest when he said this. And this is part of being a rookie on a team as deep as the Celtics. There's going to be nights where you're needed to put 20 minutes up and there's going to be nights where you're not needed at all. Right. And, uh, you know, Shimmy has had some okay games. Um, But, yeah, I definitely prefer Grant over him. I think Grant is a guy that has real potential to be on this team long term. Uh, Oh, snap. Did I misinterpret your, your question? No, I think you're good. Um, yeah, because it's, it's really comparing the two, because I think that Shemi has started to get, uh, in the game quicker than Grant has. And I don't know how much I am a fan of that, but at the same time, like you said, um, Brad's going to try everything and sort of see what sticks aside from these main guys. Um, and I guess one other thing you agree that you kind of need to have one of Tatum and Brown on at all times when there's no Kemba out there and no Gordon. Yeah, I feel like so. I feel like that. I feel like that they've been staggered very lightly so far during the season. There's always been one of the three or four of those guys, depending on who's healthy at the time, on the court. Uh, very, very minimal stretches in between where there's none of those guys. Now they've only got Jalen and Jason. I feel like the, the stagger's going to be implemented a lot harder. So we're going. They'll probably start together. I, I would. I wouldn't be. I'd be more shocked if one of them was coming off the bench than if one of them was, if they were both starting. Uh, in fact, I'd be mortified. Yeah, um, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'd be mortified. I'd be like, that's it, dude. What's going on? Uh, but yeah, I expect one of them to go to the bench quite early. And then I doubt they'll see the floor together, together again unless one were trailing like crazy or until we're six minutes left in the fourth. Yeah, and other guys will have some nice opportunities to sh- step up here. And, uh, yeah, you want to move on to maybe a quick little preview of this Sacramento game? Last question I've got is if they implement that hard stack, do you see that as an opportunity for Javante Green? I think so. I think he's been, he's been somewhat promising. And uh, generally just all these, all these guys being down, I think that 
he's gotten some nice chances here and there, but I think those will continue. He's another guy that's competing with Grant and uh, Shemi, and Grant's definitely at the top of that for me. And then, uh, oh for sure. And then the other two kind of are two A, two B. I don't really have too much of a preference between. I just between like the two um, of them. I just like Javante's story, dude. I'm a big underdog guy. But I get yeah, it. let's um, yeah, man. I mean, damn. Let's move <laughs> on. Let's um. Let's finish up with previewing the SAT game. So, Brendan, I'm going to let you take the lead on this. You're, you're based out there. You're around Sac, Sacramento coverage quite regularly. Right. And, that uh, for us? Yeah, I cover the team a little bit too. And, um, so yeah, you do. I do. Um, so, the Kings just got smacked in Brooklyn uh, because they do not have De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley, obviously. They're not going to have either of them. Stop you smacking us for the game uh yeah and um they also did not have Bogdan Bogdanovich who has stepped up in their place and they did not have Trevor Ariza they're playing Justin James who is the 40th pick of the draft out of Wyoming who people thought shouldn't have even been drafted um that dunk though oh god the almost dunk on DeAndre Jordan yeah I he apparently is like the Grant Williams in regards to personality apparently Justin James will not shut up um but yeah, so and, and they the Kings play Washington uh, today on Sunday, and uh, so it's going to be a back to back for the Kings, uh, the third game of a four game road trip. Um, Buddy Heald has not had a game like that Sacramento one against Marcus Smart. You know they're really going to be you can double Buddy Heald with the way that the lineup is going to look for the Kings if Bogdanovich is not available. Uh, he was ruled questionable for the game in Washington. So don't know exactly what uh, that will look like when they come to Boston. But really, I mean, the Celtics just need to play crisp basketball and play their own brand. I don't think that you necessarily need to game plan any way specifically against this really undermanned and injured Kings team. They're going to play hard. Um, and as long as you don't let them out hustle you, the Celtics really should be able to take advantage of some poor perimeter defense. Um, and yeah, really you should be able to do pretty much whatever you want to this Kings team. What about Dwayne Dedman? Have we seen an increase in productivity or oh, is he God. still having a rough start? Man, it, rough is an understatement. Like I don't even know how to describe what is wrong with this guy right now. He's only at like 15 minutes on the year right now. He's had a couple minute games of less than 10 minutes because he's just so terrible. Um, Rashawn Holmes is a guy to watch. He's like become a Montrezl Herald type player um, who Sacramento has just fallen in love with. But yeah, Deadman has been terrible, man. 21% from three after he 38 that into, last year. Into manifestation oh as well. Oh my God, I love Deadman, man, but he's been terrible. I, I don't get it. Um, I blame you. Well, I'm grateful because if he's playing poorly, then it makes tomorrow night easier for us. Uh, but I do blame you on Sacramento's part for willing that so much. I mean, you must have spoke about it for about six weeks flat. Oh, he was the guy for me. He was like Brooke Lopez light going into last year. but Or throughout last season. But yeah, that's pretty much all I got, man. I think that it'll uh, it'll be... It should be a comfortable win for the Celtics. Get them back on a nice little win streak here. So, yeah, I mean, we'll be back again on Wednesdays. So we'll definitely have something to speak about from the Sacramento game. And then we'll be back again on Friday and then the following Monday and so forth. So I hope you enjoyed the first episode of Celtics Pod. 
make sure that you tune in, subscribe. My, we might as well drop our Twitter handles in case you want to ha- shout at us for something we said or get in, or kind of agree with something we said. I'm quite simple. It's at Adam Taylor NBA. Wow, I didn't realize we have the same layout. Yeah, it's at Brendan Nunez NBA. Yeah, I stole it from you, dude. Of course you did. And you stole it from Keith Smith, so don't be acting like <laughs> it was your yeah. yeah, Keith Smith and like 80 other people. 80 yeah, and it, not enough. No, like 8,000 other right. people. <laughs> I mean, god damn. So yeah, guys, thank you for listening. It's a pleasure for us to be doing this show. We were both quite nervous coming in. Yeah, we're looking forward to it, though. Excited to be a part of Celtics blog doing this. Uh, We definitely want to be interacting with the listeners. We'll do some Q&As at times as well. And like Adam said, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, expect an episode. We'll do a little bit of deeper dives. This was sort of just an introduction to us. We'll have a a lot of nice guests on in the community. We have some good relationships with people like Jared West. Jared Weiss. Wow, I say a good relationship, and then I butcher his last name. Jared Weiss. Um... John Corrales, Jake King. Yeah. We've had them all on our previous podcast. I'm sure we can make that happen again on here. And obviously, one of the biggest perks about being part of Celtics Blood is we can arrange for the other contributors, staff writers, editorial team to all make appearances on this show. If there's anybody you want as like a, a guest soon, tweet at us, let us know, and we'll try and hook that up for you as fast as possible. Definitely. Right, guys, it's been a pleasure. We've had a great time, and we'll catch you again on Wednesday. Peace. Say bye, Brendan. Peace.